afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. How is everyone doing on this Friday afternoon? We made it, ladies and gentlemen. It is Friday, July 29th. We have scarce few days left in this month. And I hope everyone's doing great out there. Welcome to another episode of Lone Star News, your home, away from home, for Texas news and current events. I am your host, Mr. C, also known as Michael Aaron Gossetis. And, uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be a fun-filled show today. We've got a lot of information uh, to share with you all uh, that I think would be of some interest, particularly if you are Texas kinfolk, such as myself, and heck, even if you are from beyond the boundaries of the Lone Star State, uh, you are always more than welcome to join on in the um, audience, whether it be live or replay. And, uh, you know, you never know. You never know. You never know how one state could affect another state to the next state. And then on, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, it's uh, by the uh, graciousness of this unity, <clears throat> that is uh, these United States of America, of course, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that we have the ability to really learn from each other uh, and uh, maybe even um, figure out some new tricks we might have not thought about in the past. I mean, after all, our sister states that surround us, ladies and gentlemen, uh, they, they, they have some pretty good ideas sometime, you know, you know, like, uh, for example, you know, we talked about this the last time we were on the, uh, Lone Star News, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Texas could learn a lot from the, uh, Arizona Maricopa County forensic audit, don't you think, Governor Abbott? Oh, I think indeed. Secretary Scott, are you paying attention? You could learn a lot from the uh, Maricopa County Forensic Audit. And, uh, you know, I'll give you my notes if you'd like, uh, <laughs> uh, Hair Governor and uh, Hair Secretary of Snakes. Uh, but I, anyways, anyways, I began to digress far too early. I hope everyone is doing well again. And uh, we are broadcasting live on uh, pill.net, the foxhole.app, uh, Rumble, as well as Odyssey. And uh, we got a couple of other uh, stations in the mix today, Trovo, and also uh, it looks like Twitch as well. If uh, you are joining us on any of those platforms or websites, ladies and gentlemen, uh, by all means, please do make sure you hit the subscribe button or the follow button, depending on where you are. And uh, give us a thumbs up, a like, give us a rumble. If you like the work I do here over at Mr. CTV, uh, before we jump into before we jump into uh, today's uh, episode, though, of course, I would like to encourage you all to stop by the website, thecreport.com. Who is that <laughs> on my screen? Thecreport.com, ladies and gentlemen, creport.com. That was weird. And that was kind of creepy, wasn't it? Uh, for those of you on the podcast, you probably have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about, and uh, you might feel lucky for that. But if you're curious, Make sure you head on over to thecreport.com where you can find out where to catch this broadcast live and when, ladies and gentlemen. But that's at thecreport.com, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, when you go there, you can get some information about Mr. CTV and also the C Report and other news that pertains to this broadcasting um, uh, uh, live stream station platform, a channel. There we go. Channel's the word I'm looking for. And uh, you can join the mailing list and all of that great stuff. You can also stop by the Mr. C TV online shop 
which is uh, most aptly called a shop, Mr. CTV, ladies and gentlemen, where if you enter promo code now through the end of this month, you can get a 17% discount on all of the merchandise located in our store over at shopmrctv.com. Easiest way to get there is thecreport.com and click on store. And when you do so, ladies and gentlemen, you support this broadcast, you support uh, love of this country, and you support uh, truth being disseminated throughout all of the population wearing your um, Shop Mr. C TV swag, whether it's our political truth line or it's just, uh, you know, some apparel that will um, um, uh, show your affinity towards this broadcasting channel. Uh, enter promo code 1776 Reborn at the checkout, ladies and gentlemen. That's 1776 Reborn, all one word, and you can get that discount today. Ladies and gentlemen, off all items, as I said, and I mean it, ladies and gentlemen, all right, just had to uh, put that little bit of a plug in there for the shop, gotta, you know, they say you gotta take care of your business first, right, Mr. C? I guess so, you know, I, I was never a businessman, but uh, it is what it is, right? So, uh, coming in for a little bit of Lone Star Texas current events and news, uh, and uh, tap, uh, tap, Hat tip, pardon me, I'm all tap hit. Hat tip to uh, Pilled by the Rabbit and T-Sam over there at Pilled. Good afternoon. I uh, hope you all are doing well this afternoon. Indeed, it is hot, ladies and gentlemen, in the state of Texas. Uh, you know, un unfortunately, however, uh, we will not be talking about the Texas power grid. You know, that is actually something that is and has been quite the concern. Uh, not that there's um, there's a shortage of stories that can be shared regarding the Texas power grid. Uh, you know, if you really want to see how beneficial things like the Green New Deal and all of this, uh, what is this, uh, uh, save the planet, hug a tree energy movement movement that, uh, you know, uh, the progressives and the left-leaning and also probably the well-meaning, the left-leaning and the well-meaning Democrats, right? And they're not that they're all well-meaning. Of course, when we're talking about well-meaning Democrats, we're talking about that tiny sliver of Democrat Americans that, um, are still patriotic, but they're totally obliv oblivious to every single thing that's going on in their party, in the world, and in the nation, right? So that's what I mean by well-meaning Democrats. I'm talking about the constituents that are, you know, low information and stuff like that. But, you know, um, if you want to see how effective their green energy stuff is, I mean, we have a very, very delicate power grid situation happening here in Texas right now. Uh, <clears throat> something that should have and could have been taken care of had we gotten some, um, I don't know, had we uh, reined in some of that uh, big oil, big money, uh, good old boy system a long time ago, had we uh, wiped out the rhinocery in the state house and, you know, maybe hired some non-corrupt or uncorruptible railroad commissioners, ladies and gentlemen, to actually do their job, you know, instead of, uh, instead, of, instead of setting up situations that will benefit big oil and big energy in the state of Texas, uh, we had a, uh, we had a, uh, one of those uh, windmills, right? Windmills, the, the, the propeller, air, wind, wind, solar, wind, energy, propeller things, you know, the wind farms, 
We had one of them catch fire here in the state of Texas uh, not too long ago. Uh, and of course, the power grid was suffering because uh, on a windless day, on a, on a hot, hot summer Texas day, mind you, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking like you could fry an egg on the uh, pavement, ladies and gentlemen. Um, uh, the wind turbines were just providing absolutely zero energy to the power grid. And then they catch fire whenever they get struck by lightning. And now I hear, uh, you know, uh, uh, illegitimate Joe wants to make a, a Gulf Coast wind farm in the ocean. Give me a break, man. Give me a break. And I'm not talking about a Kit Kat either. Anyways, maybe we'll talk a little bit about the grid uh, in an upcoming show. But for today, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in the next hour or so, uh, we'll go through uh, some great topics. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the rhinoceros here in the state of Texas. Uh, what else are we going to be talking about? We're going to talk a little bit about the Texas Democrat Party. Oh, it's always a fun time talking about those Texas Democrats, ladies and gentlemen. And if you need any evidence about how disengaged, uh, I would say low morale, uh, uh, Texas Democrats are feeling at this time. Well, I got a story that is a bit of a whopper for you all, ladies and gentlemen. It's kind of like, whoa, it's that bad across the aisle, huh? Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we'll also talk a little bit about um, it seems that Texas has a surplus uh, as far as um, their budgets are concerned. The question here is, will Texas taxpayers see that money return to them? Because after all, a government, at least a state government, at least the way it's supposed to work, it's not for profit, ladies and gentlemen. So those are just a couple of the stories. A few of the stories we'll be covering this afternoon in the next hour or so. It's going to be a fun one, ladies and gentlemen, particularly that Democrat one. If you, if you want, if you're waiting for a moment where you can, uh, you know, point your finger and laugh, ha ha. Well, it's coming up, ladies and gentlemen, just you wait. Uh, but let's get into our first story for this afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. And what do we have here? The Texas Rhinoceri, ladies and gentlemen, what is going on with the Texas Rhinoceri? Well, let me tell you what, a lot is going on with the Texas Rhinoceri, and a lot of nothing is also going on with the Texas Rhinoceri. But a recent story shows that the Texas GOP actually attempted to censure some of its own members in what could only be called a tactic to uh, to scare away brand new uh, members to the state house from uh, doing certain moves and um, doing certain things that the Texas rhinoceri is not cool with. Now, keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, the Texas rhinoceri in our state and particularly in our state house, it is big and it is uh, thorough, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, you want to talk about Republicans and Democrats or anyone who's a career politician, I don't care what party you're a part of, all really working toward the same goals. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, they're all the same creature. You know, they're all, they're all herd animals, whether they're an, an elephant, whether they're a rhinoceros, or whether they are 
a donkey, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but uh, I tell you what, you know, in some upcoming episodes, we're definitely going to be getting into the rhinocery in the state of Texas. So uh, if you are a Texas kinfolk, as I like to say, which means if you are a Texas friend or family, uh, I would uh, I would keep a notepad ready, ladies and gentlemen, because you never know if it's going to be one of your representatives, so-called a selected official who's going to pop up in a story on Lone Star News. But let's see what the Texas GOP was attempting to censor their own members and their own party members. What is going on, Rhinocery of Texas? What is up? I uh, got this article here coming out of the Texas scorecard, and it goes this way. Uh, Texas GOP attempts to censure GOP lawmakers for opposing incumbent fails. Okay. I don't think that's quite the title they had for this article, but that's what comes up in uh, immersive. Let me just, uh, I'm curious, you know what they say about curiosity, right? Yep. Attempt to censor GOP lawmakers for opposing incumbents fail. Fails. Okay. I see. It was just the syntax of the sentence that confused me, or, you know, it just might be because it's Friday, ladies and gentlemen, but the article goes on this way. It says, uh, caucus leadership wanted to use this to send a message to incoming members like Carrie Isaac, Nate uh, Schatzline, and others that they need to stay in line. But the attempt backfired, ladies and gentlemen. So that's a good thing. Uh, let's see what it says here. It says, an attempt by Republican leadership in the Texas House of Representatives to formally censure their uh, three of their own members for supporting challengers to liberal incumbents failed on Tuesday. Okay, so we'll pause it there, just, just a tad. And let me see if I'm getting this right. So you're telling me that the Republican leadership tried to censor three of their own party members because they supported incoming challengers against incumbents who are liberal Republicans, otherwise known as rhinos, ladies and gentlemen. You see what I'm talking about? Whether they're Democrat, whether they're Republican, whether they're any kind of party, if they're a career politician, they protect their own. Ladies and gentlemen, how disgusting is that to read? Uh, and you're going to tell uh, your own party members that you cannot support a challenger to an incumbent. And when that incumbent is known to, uh, to not be doing their job and otherwise be showing their true rhino face, ladies and gentlemen, that is appalling. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, there's going to be some type of technicality written in the bylaws or the state uh, uh, operating procedures for uh, the legislators that they were going to try and milk or loophole through. So let's see what that was, ladies and gentlemen. It says earlier this month, it was revealed that the Texas House GOP caucus executive committee was pursuing a censure of Republican state representatives Jeff Kaysen of Bedford, Ben Lehman of Anderson, and Steve Toth of the Woodlands area. Now, keep in mind, Steve Toth is one of our election integrity fighters here in Texas, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, whether it be for an audit, whether it be for decertification, Steve Toth has been vocal 
from 2020, ladies and gentlemen. So that is uh, pretty crazy there. So uh, the Texas House GOP caucus executive committee was trying to censor uh, was trying to censor these three members for violating the bylaws of the caucus by supporting candidates in primary campaigns against incumbents. You know, that really should be stricken, ladies and gentlemen. How can you tell someone on clear conscience who's making a conscionable decision to, to uh, support a challenger to an incumbent that they know is not worth the seat that they inhabit in their state house, okay? This is the good old boys club, ladies and gentlemen. This is what we're talking about. This, these are the things that we need to look at, ladies and gentlemen, when we start to examine our own state houses and we start to examine... Uh, the things that they are doing or the things that they are not doing, ladies and gentlemen, the people they're endorsing, the bills that they're signing, the bills that they're killing, ladies and gentlemen. And like I said, we will get further into the Texas rhinoceros in the weeks to come, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, you know, just just fishing for a story or a headline that would support this one. I found a lot of stuff, ladies and gentlemen. I was like, wow, that's an entire episode on its own. But uh, let's go ahead and finish with this article. Let's focus on this. Uh, this is flabbergasting, ladies and gentlemen. A bylaw that says you cannot support a, an incoming primary uh, um, challenger to an incumbent, even if you know that incumbent has done a rotten job of representing uh, their constituents or even the state of Texas itself. Ladies and gentlemen, the caucus executive committee is comprised of Chairman Jim Murphy of Houston, Vice Chair Tom Oliverson of Cyprus, Treasurer Greg, uh, Craig, pardon me, Craig Goldman of Fort Worth, and Secretary Candy Noble of Lucas, okay? So this executive committee, you know, and maybe, maybe these guys were not just looking out for their own rhinos, you know what I mean? Maybe they were just trying to adhere to the bylaws. So I'll give them that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, but, uh, you know, already looking at, uh, Craig Goldman and Jim Murphy of Houston and Fort Worth, respectively. We know that those are blue areas, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm pretty sure it's much easier to thrive as a rhino in those cities than it is at least in Cyprus or Lucas, Texas, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, yeah, I, I would probably, I'll take a note of Jim Murphy and of Craig Goldman. Uh, but uh, anyhow, the article continues, Kaysen donated $2,000 to Mike Olcott. And again, that is uh, Jeff Kaysen of Bedford, Texas. He donated $2,000 to Mike Olcott, who challenged incumbent representative Glenn Rogers of Mineral Wells. Rogers angered the grassroots after earning a rating of 45 from Texans for fiscal responsibility and a rating of 55 from young conservatives of Texas in his inaugural legislative session. Notably, Kaysen also donated to the challengers of Stephanie Click of Fort Worth and Lynn Stuckey. Oh, sorry, um, that is um, the challengers of Stephanie Click of Fort Worth, Lynn Stuckey and Reggie Smith. So that's uh, Lynn Stuckey of Sanger and Reggie Smith of Van Alstein. Meanwhile, Lehman, and again, that is Ben Lehman of Anderson, 
he endorsed, uh, campaigned for, and donated to uh, Ben Bias, who challenged incumbent legislator Kyle Kakel of Huntsville. Uh, widely considered one of the most liberal Republicans in the state house, uh, Steve Toth of the Woodlands, um, he also endorsed Ben Bias against uh, Kakel. Uh, following an anonymous digital vote of members over the weekend, however, the effort failed, with none of the three members being formally censored. And notably, two of the members, Kaysen and Lehman, are not running for re-election. Political consultant Luke Macias says the threat of censure was meant to send a message to new lawmakers next session. Caucus leadership wanted to use this to send a message to incoming members like Carrie Isaac, Nate Schatzlein, and others that they need to stay in line. But the attempt backfired, said Macias. Uh, Steve Toth told the Texas Scorecard, the Republican caucus voted overwhelmingly against censor of members who shine a light on liberal members of the caucus. So, uh... Good for that, ladies and gentlemen. At least, uh, at least our rhinoceri here in the state of Texas had enough sense to not um, censor these incoming members. You know, maybe a new day has arrived, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe a new day has arrived. But uh, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, where Texas is concerned and the next few coming weeks... The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the sea report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the sea report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash the sea report and thanks y'all all right ladies and gentlemen that's right it's rhino hunting season we're gonna call each and every one of them out and uh we'll uh well we'll take it from there ladies and gentlemen uh our next story for this afternoon will the texas 27 billion dollar tax surplus return to taxpayers. $27 billion. Ladies and gentlemen, our state has in surplus. What do you think they're going to do with that money? Do you think they're going to uh, divvy it out back to the taxpayers? Do you think they're going to give some tax refunds? Do you think uh, maybe they're going to apply it to, I don't know, maybe something like cutting out property taxes? Or uh, what do you think they're going to do with it? I mean, well, you know what? We can get into this article about it, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, uh, 
they do a pretty good job of uh, remembering the history of any type of surplus in the state of Texas. Let's see if we can do something about it. Article says, will lawmakers give the $27 billion surplus back to Texas taxpayers? Historically, the legislature has provided minimal tax relief in surplus years. $27 billion is quite a hefty sum of money. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure I don't need to say that. You know, oh, maybe they should just donate it to uh, Ukraine or something like that, right? Right, John Cornyn? You know, should we just send this over to Ukraine? Would you like us to send the $27 billion tax surplus from Texans over to Ukraine to support the Nazis? Hmm, I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure John Cornyn would not have a problem with that. But uh, the article says, ahead of the 2023 legislative session, Texas Comptroller Glenn Hegar announced that in addition to the $250 billion biennial budget... Uh, the state expects to collect $26.9 billion in surplus funds. This surplus was partially created by a 2021 bill that capped the growth of state spending to a rate that is in proportion to Texas expected population growth and future inflation rates. Hagar also cited record collection from multiple tax revenue categories. In light of this massive cash influx, some Texans are calling on lawmakers to dedicate all of the funds to eliminating property taxes. Texans for Fiscal Responsibility recently released a three-step plan detailing how legislators um, could achieve this goal. However, in an analysis covering the extra $27 billion, uh, the Texas Texans for Fiscal Responsibility expressed doubts that lawmakers would elect to give the surplus back to Texans. Uh, let's see here. Um, from uh, who's who is this speaking? Uh, uh, someone from the group, the Texas, uh, the Texas of Texans for Fiscal Responsibility had this to say in their analysis. They said lawmakers simply keep with the status quo and use surplus dollars as a slush fund to fund wasteful programs that continue to steal money from taxpayers and instead give it to things like corporate welfare programs like the Texas Enterprise Fund or throw it in the Economic Stabilization Fund, which is an emergency fund that is simply used as a piggy bank for ongoing expenses like public education funding, right? We need to, we need to purchase more of those uh, critical race theory books. We need to purchase more uh, uh, sexual, uh, highly sexual content for uh, kindergartners and elementary school children, you know? We need to make sure that they know how to, uh, uh, they know how to get confused about being a boy or a girl. And uh, we need to make sure that we keep pornography in school libraries, ladies and gentlemen. So maybe uh, that's what they'll spend some of this surplus on, or who knows? Maybe they'll use it to, uh, you know, uh, purchase more hotel rooms for the incoming illegal aliens that are currently invading across our southern border. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they'll probably use some of this to keep on bussing up the illegals up to Washington, D.C., which we'll talk about in just a minute, ladies and gentlemen. There are all types of slushy ideas that uh, I'm sure the Texas State House could use this uh, surplus um, to spend on, ladies and gentlemen. 
article continues, in previous legislative session with extra funds, lawmakers have only returned a portion of the surplus to taxpayers. The 86th legislative session, which ran from January to May 2019, had a surplus of close to $10 billion. At the time, Higar warned lawmakers to monitor their spending due to the potential effects of decreased oil prices. Although lawmakers used the surplus to pass legislation lowering the school property tax burden, they also tripled public education spending. Oh, that's where they started, uh, you know, uh, stocking up on all of that critical race theory stuff, right? Uh, so they used it to triple public education spending and raised the state's budget. I'm sure they also used it to put tampon devices in boys' bathrooms and uh, litter boxes uh, in the hallways, ladies and gentlemen. Similarly, with little time left in the 87th legislature's third special session, lawmakers passed a bill using some of the state's $7.8 billion surplus to buy down school maintenance and operations taxes for households valued at around $300,000, right? So I guess if you were eh, about median income to below that, uh, you weren't going to see any benefit from this because your house probably ain't worth $300,000. Although lawmakers lowered the state's budget overall, Texans only saw a tax decrease of around $200 ladies and gentlemen. In comparison, the upcoming 88th legislature faces a surplus of almost $27 billion, triple the amount of last session's extra funds. Uh, the Texans for Fiscal Responsibility President Tim Hardin expressed his belief that the legislature should return the surplus to taxpayers and implored conservative lawmakers to avoid enlarging the government. Uh, Tim Hardin had this to say, We must remember that the government is not for profit and should not be plundering the money of taxpayers because they overshot projections. That surplus is in every sense our money, and the government has no right to keep it, especially if the dominant party in Texas claims to be fiscally conservative. Rhino, rhino, rhino. And uh, especially if the uh, dominant party in Texas claim to be advocates for small government. Although Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, who is currently quite popular in the state of Texas, uh, he, he won his race by more than 75% in the primary. Although Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick issued a statement calling on lawmakers to dedicate the extra funds to property tax relief, his plan only includes... $4 billion of the nearly $27 billion surplus, which leaves $23 billion at lawmakers' discretion. With the start of the legislative session less than six months away, lawmakers will have to decide if they will return the massive surplus to taxpayers or use the funds to expand state government. No bueno, ladies and gentlemen, absolutely no bueno. And I tell you what, guys, uh, this is this is a really good time, ladies and gentlemen. This is a really good opportunity, a really good moment, you know, to step up to the plate, right? Cleaning out our own backyard, ladies and gentlemen, they need to hear from us. Uh, I would say send them a snail mail, you know, send them a, a handwritten letter, 
And if you just don't like to write, go ahead, type it out, print it out, write, give them a phone call, pay them a visit, you know, send them an email. I'd say do all of the above and let your, uh, let your state representative and your state senator know that you demand that, uh, well, first of all, let them know that you're aware that there's a $27 billion surplus because they're counting on us not to know that. Ladies and gentlemen, how do you think Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick can get away with a $4 billion chunk going back to property tax relief, ladies and gentlemen, because he thinks you guys are unaware. You are not savvy enough to know, oh, Texans don't care about, uh, you know, local government. They don't even know that there's a $27 billion surplus. So uh, I'll save my hide, says Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, and uh, I'll, I'll write a bill that calls on uh, some uh, property tax relief. $4 billion. What are you going to do with the rest of that money, Dan Patrick? That's what I want to know. I mean, you're already getting plenty of money from pharmaceutical companies that, uh, you know, make, uh, make um, uh, gender modification drugs for children. So, uh, you, Lieutenant Governor, uh, you, you could have anteed up a little bit more of our money back to us, right? I think that would have been, you know, uh, something that was you know, more, more on the lines of being ethical with the way that you uh, perceive government should be. I don't know, guys. But uh, so, well, there you go, guys. I would say uh, let your lawmakers know I'm aware that there's a $27 billion surplus. And I demand that you return those funds to the taxpayers. You know, I'm sure that there are many other um, organizations in the state of Texas, and I'm sure there are many constituents, Texans, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that have written those letters. But can you imagine if they get like just an an overflow of of these types of letters? I mean, you know, just from this audience alone, if we were to um, move forward and actually do that, ladies and gentlemen, they, there's probably some lawmakers I'm gathering that had never seen such a letter come across their desk, ladies and gentlemen. Wouldn't they be surprised, huh? They're going to be like, where are you getting this information from? You've been reading the Texas scorecard or what? You've been, uh, you've been paying attention to Texas politics. What's going on? What world do I live in? What timeline have I entered where uh, Americans and Texans are actually engaging and participating in local government? Oh, man, I tell you why. Oh, what was that? This whole thing about uh, climate change? Oh, yeah, the climate is changing, fair selected officials. Uh, and the heat is turning up on you guys. Not so much, you know, what the sun does for the rest of our solar system. So uh, very, very good there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, good information to have. Good information to have and good to know. Uh, you would surprise the heck out of your lawmakers if you told them something like that, right? And then we'll get to the uh, forensic sham audit and uh, then we'll get to the whole uh, decertification. We'll we'll cover all the bases. How about that, ladies and gentlemen? A good afternoon, Kiss. Welcome to the audience. Thanks for tossing the links into the chat room over there at the foxhole.app. Uh, good to see you. Much appreciated. Subpack Vet, good afternoon. Thanks for stopping in to say hello, buddy. It's good to see you as well. And Shell Out 9, how's it going? Shell Out 9 says, preach. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. If there's nothing I like better, it's than uh, to sit behind this camera or in front of this camera and just pontificate for an hour or two, ladies and gentlemen. But I try and bring you some timely information. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, we already passed the half hour. So let's move into our next story for this afternoon. Let's talk a little bit about the invasion that is occurring over at the southern border. 
ladies and gentlemen. Now, some people might think a word like invasion is a little bit too strong, right, ladies and gentlemen? But when you think about, like, I don't know, almost two million illegal aliens, or if you want to call them illegal migrants or illegal immigrants, whatever you want to call them, I don't care. Just make sure you put the word illegal in front of it, okay? Because they are here unlawfully. They're breaking many laws by entering into our country without doing it the proper way, okay? Because anyone who's anyone knows and understands America was built on immigrants and immigration, you know? Uh, I mean, I'm a fifth generation Texan, so I was here, okay, already. But as I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, actually, yeah, I, I go back all I go all the way back to indigenous Texas, ladies and gentlemen. But as I'm saying, uh, this country, this nation was built on the backs of immigrants, ladies and gentlemen. We, you know, we absolutely adore immigrants when you do it the right way, you know, uh, and, and, uh, it, you know, the way the system is designed, I'm sure I don't need to get on this soapbox, but the way the system is designed, it, it really is designed to discourage doing it the proper way. When you're talking like you have to wait years and years just to get sworn in not sworn in, but just to get uh, citizenship, ladies and gentlemen. And I know, I know because I have had family members, ladies and gentlemen, that I sat and watch them become citizens of this nation, ladies and gentlemen. And they did it the right way. They got in line. They filled out their paperwork. They learned what they needed to learn. And they followed through. Beautiful, beautiful method, guys. Come on over. Come on over to the land of opportunity. These United States of America, come on over to one of the better states in this nation, right? I'm not going to say it's great because uh, it could be better. But one of the better states in this nation and um, do it the right way, you know, do it the right way. OK, but when you have almost two million uh, um, individuals, OK, I'll, I'll be nice. Two million individuals just coming across the border the wrong way. Uh, there's a lot of detriment to uh, there's a lot of detriment to so many facets of our uh, of our our living you know from the economy to uh, health concerns to uh, just uh, the the concerns that uh, grow out of illegal immigration particularly in the numbers that we have been seeing since January 20th 2021 okay January 21st if you want to get technical 2021 cuz that's when illegitimate joe rescinded the executive orders that president trump had put in place to protect our borders ladies and gentlemen January 21st, 2021, when you see the numbers that we have seen come across illegally into this nation, ladies and gentlemen, it is, uh, it, it's quite amazing that uh, things haven't gone further south a lot faster, you know. Uh, but this has been a hot button issue since that time. Even before that time, this was a hot button issue because, you know, the Democrats and the rhinos up on Capitol Hill made a big deal about a border wall. You know, they, they want a fence. You know, they want a fence. They want a net. You know, they don't want what has been constructed and remains incomplete to this day. Uh, but so, you know, the governor of Texas, Governor Abbott, rhino as he may be, uh, of course, using carefully timed um, um, activities to uh, make it appear that he is 
fighting for border security, has taken up a whole bunch of measures uh, in the last few months, eh, the last half year or so. Finally getting off his getting off his wheelchair and doing some work, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and, uh, you know, among those has been, which, I mean, ultimately it is, it is just a political theater, you know, uh, sending illegal immigrants to Washington, D.C. by way of bus, okay? Now, you know, it's, it's great optically speaking. You're low-information voter or you're low-information Texas resident who happens to be conservative, right, will hear about Abbott busing illegal immigrants over to Washington, D.C., and that will tickle their funny bone. I, it tickled my funny bone, ladies and gentlemen, when I first heard he was going to do that. I was like, you know what, Abbott? You are probably going to win this primary because of doing something like that, right? It's a political stunt. But think about it, guys. Abbott is actually assisting these illegal immigrants into getting further into our country, okay? Now, if they were going to Canada, I'd be like, bus them, bus them up to D.C., and then they'll catch uh, they'll catch the midnight flight over to Canada. But they're not going to Canada, ladies and gentlemen. They're staying here, and Abbott has done nothing but assisted them into getting further into our country, where we're never going to see them again, guys. They're going to vanish into the, you know, into the patchwork. Uh, but, you know, as far as political stunts go, okay, I get it, Abbott. I get it. But you're still assisting these illegal immigrants into getting further into it. Why don't you get them on a bus and send them back to Mexico? You know, that would be, I think, far more helpful. But, of course, he's trying to prove a point, ladies and gentlemen. And that point being, naturally, that if we're going to have an invasion of our state of Texas, you're going to have an invasion of your, uh, of your uh, illegal uh, um, uh, country or corporation sitting over there in Washington, D.C., right? Not even part of this nation, you know. And, uh, well, you know, that, that's the ploy. So uh, Abbott has successfully been busing illegal immigrants up to Washington, D.C. for like the last two or three months. So uh, you might imagine that uh, there's an entire new demographic rising out in Washington, D.C. And I'm sure crime is, uh, has, has, uh, has uh, multiplied. I mean, uh, Washington, D.C. is already pretty much known for its crime, ladies. It's, it's not, uh, it's the nation's capital, right? But it is also, uh, it's also crime-ridden. So uh, it appears that uh, Abbott has vowed to send even more illegal immigrants to Washington, D.C. He's not going to stop, and uh, it's caused quite an uproar. Uh, according to this article I pulled from the Gateway Pundit, uh, Texas Governor Abbott vows to send more illegal immigrants, or migrants, if you want to call them that, to D.C. as uh, D.C. Mayor Bowser calls in the National Guard to handle this dire influx. Now, just get a load of the hypocrisy in this article, ladies and gentlemen. It's just laid out in spades for us when you hear what this mayor of D.C. has to say about what Abbott is doing. Article goes this way. Uh, Texas Governor Rhino Greg Abbott has vowed to continue sending illegal migrants to Washington, D.C. as Mayor Muriel Bowser calls in the National Guard to help the city handle the crisis. D.C. Has, uh, has been being flooded with thousands of illegal migrants as the Texas governor has sent approximately 5,000 illegal migrants to the city by bus over the last three months. Arizona Governor Doug Ducey, uh, <clears throat> otherwise known as Doug Ducey, 
has also shipped roughly a thousand to the nation's capital. After news broke that Mayor Bowser is asking the Pentagon to help handle the influx of people, Governor Abbott's spokeswoman issued a statement saying that D.C. finally understands what the border states are going through. Um, and uh, Abbott's spokeswoman, Renee Essie, um, also wrote a statement to the Washington Examiner that said, Washington, D.C. finally understands what Texans have been dealing with every single day as our communities are overrun and overwhelmed by the thousands of illegal immigrants thanks to illegitimate Joe's open border policy. If the mayor wants a solution to this crisis... She should call on President-select Biden to take immediate action to secure the border, something he has failed to do. SC added that the situation in D.C. does not compare to the true ongoing humanitarian crisis on the southern border. Truer words were never said. Ladies and gentlemen, in addition to the National Guard, Mayor Bowser is requesting to use an arena near the Capitol building to use as a processing center for the migrants. On July 19th, Mayor Bowser sent letters to uh, Illegitimate Joe as well as the Office of the Secretary of Defense asking for help. According to the report from the examiner, neither of those letters have been answered. Bowser has recently been mocked for claiming that the migrants are being tricked into boarding buses to D.C. The mayor wrote, with pledges from Texas and Arizona to continue these abhorrent operations indefinitely, the situation is dire and we consider this a humanitarian crisis. Says the mayor of D.C., we have a humanitarian crisis in Washington, D.C., one that could overwhelm our social support network with immediate and sustained federal intervention. Now, I would have to ask you, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm sure you guys absolutely are already thinking this. You call that humanitarian crisis, but you don't see what's happening on the southern border, the entire border from California all the way down through Texas as a uh, humanitarian crisis. I mean, do you guys, do they, do they understand how the cartels control the borders? Do they understand the amount of drugs and human trafficking that are happening right now? You know, and this is a, this is a big, big, big danger, not just to Americans, but think about the illegal immigrants that have to trek from wherever it is that they're getting flown into or bust into or, 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 or boated into, literally. I mean, there are receipts, ladies and gentlemen, of, of uh, illegal migrants being flown from like South America up into Central America or into Mexico just across the border. But think about the children. Think about the women. Think about all of the crime Okay, that is a true humanitarian crisis. We're not even talking about the drugs or the weapons or the cartels at this point. We're talking about the human trafficking, okay? We're talking about the, uh, the insurmountable, the incalculable amount of children uh, that we will never ever really know whether or not, you know, they survived. You know, we've seen dozens of horror stories coming from the southern border since this happened. And, uh, the, uh, and by this happening, I mean, of course, uh, illegitimate Joe um, stripping the executive orders that um, were serving to protect rather than to uh, harm, ladies and gentlemen. 
Anyhow, let's see what Bowser uh, continued with. Let's see if she spouts any more hypocrisy. Uh, Mayor Bowser of Washington, D.C. says the pace of arriving buses and the volume of arrivals have reached tipping points. Oh, really? Tipping points. When we have thousands and thousands per day coming across the border, a bus load or three is a tipping point for you, Mayor Bowser. Well, maybe now you know how the border towns feel. Maybe now you know how the border cities feel. Maybe now you know how the residents of these areas, what they're experiencing. You know, you got people, you got strangers running across their, their land, you know, and you don't know what they're going to do. You don't know if they're dangerous. You don't know if they're carrying monkeypox, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, yeah, tipping point, says Mayor Bowser. Our collective response and service efforts have now become overwhelmed. Tragically, many families arrive in Washington, D.C. with nowhere to go, or they remain in limbo, seeking onward destinations across the United States. Oh, well, it looks like you're going to have to come up with a plan. You're going to have to hide them under a highway or something like that, Mayor Bowser. You know, I mean... Uh, there are highways in, uh, in Washington, D.C. I've seen them. The examiner reports that because immigration is a federal issue, Bowser argued the federal government must provide immediate federal assistance. Oh, you don't say, Mayor Bowser. You don't say, huh? As a result, the mayor requested that the Office of the Secretary of Defense initiate a joint reception staging onward movement and integration mission that would provide 150 personnel to the district to transport migrants to a temporary processing center at the D.C. Armory. Once processed, the mission would entail helping the border jumpers complete eventual movement to their final destination. See what I'm talking about? It's only giving an assist to the migrants, ladies and gentlemen, uh, because they are going to be assisted to their final destination within the nation. The mission would begin as soon as possible and continue indefinitely until the city relieves them, she said. To be clear, I recognize the magnitude of this request, but the governors of Texas and Arizona are making a political statement to the federal government and instead... Their actions are having direct impacts on city and regional resources in ways that are unsustainable. You don't say, Mayor Bowser of Washington, D.C., you don't say. All right, and uh, let's see here. Uh, Disco Ball Chaser says, Abbott is playing chess, not checkers, Washington, D.C. <laughs> You know, you could say that for sure. You definitely could say that. We got a viewer over at Twitch says, uh, Chaos Soul, good afternoon, Chaos Soul. Hope you're doing well today. Uh, send in open records request. Ask if any DHS employee or contractor has assisted the election office during any election and ask when did your county vote on allowing the machines and ask for the results. May not have been put on the ballot for a vote. Find out. Ooh. So uh, we're getting some we're getting some good uh, detailed uh, uh, advice or guidance from Chaos Soul. Thank you for that. Uh, and this would be uh, pertaining to uh, I'm guessing the elections or uh, no. I, I, and also I mean it would go for everything. Open records requests on all of that stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Open re records request on all of that. Uh, but taking it down to the county level, I like the way you're thinking, Chaos Soul. Take it down to your, your, your county level. Take it down to your municipality and, and find out what's happening in your own backyard, ladies and gentlemen. And Chaos Soul recommends doing that for 2020 and 2022 as well. Appreciate the guidance there, Chaos Soul, and welcome into the show. 
but yes, so uh, there you go, guys. That is one level that we'll be discussing this uh, illegal migrant problem. Let's talk about uh, some uh, notion that's coming out of um, the uh, office of Attorney General Ken Paxton, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, apparently, Attorney General Ken Paxton has said that declaring an invasion will not secure Texas borders. Hmm. I don't know. I'm going to have to think about that one, uh, you know, because I got to say, guys, uh, when Carrie Lake gets elected as governor of Arizona and she declares an invasion, right? You know, like uh, illegitimate Joe stripped, uh, opened the borders on day one of his uh, so-called administration on Carrie Lake's day one of her administration legit is going to declare an invasion on their border. And then we'll see, Greg Abbott, Ken Paxton, then we'll see for sure, okay? Then we'll see for sure whether or not declaring an invasion would indeed secure the border. And uh, I'm of the mind that it would, ladies and gentlemen. And I am a Ken Paxton fan, but you know, sometimes maybe just working in litigation, too many words, right? Too many words, too many meanings, too many definitions, maybe... Uh, Maybe he needs a little bit more clarity, but let, let's see. Let's hear out A.G. Paxton and his thought process. It says here, A.G. Paxton does not see invasion declaration as a winner for Texas to secure its border. This is coming from the Epoch Times, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the article goes this way. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton was asked on March 28th to provide an official opinion on the legal and constitutional ramifications of an unchecked border crisis. In the request, State Representative Matt Krauss specifically asked Paxton whether or not the federal government has failed, intentionally or unintentionally, to uphold its obligations to protect Texas from invasion under Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution, and whether Texas has the sovereign power to defend itself from invasion. I'm like, we really need to ask that question? So Paxton declined to issue a formal opinion in his response, dated June 9th, but not released more widely until July 8th. The issue you raise in your opinion request involves a potential claim under consideration by states and attorneys generals, states attorneys generals across the country in our effort to stop illegal immigration, Paxton stated in his response. Uh, Paxton went on to say, while we consider that and similar new claims against the federal government, it would be improper and could compromise Texas's litigation strategy. Come on, Paxton, you know you don't need a double S on that apostrophe. Anyways, uh, compromise Texas's litigation strategy to comment on and telegraph the state's position and arguments on this issue through an advisory attorney general opinion. Just declare an invasion. I mean, that's your strategy right there. What other strategy do we have? I guess it's because, of course, you're going to have courts in the state of Texas that are going to start, uh, they're going to try and, uh, try and uh, you know, put a quash on it, or they're going to try and put a cease and desist on it, or whatever litigatory term that they might use to suspend this invasion declaration. And then it's going to have to go to the Texas State Supreme Court, and then it's going to have to go up to the United States Supreme Court or something like that, right? 
So I guess that's why he figures we need to have a strategy. That would be my guess, ladies and gentlemen, my uneducated guess, I might add, but that would be my guess because, you know, as, as headlines and stories go, ladies and gentlemen, when you read beyond it, you start to pick up on the way things work, right? Anyways, so Paxton's response did not elaborate on the litigation strategy. However, in a previous interview, Paxton told the Epoch Times that he did not see the invasion issue as a winner against likely lawsuits. Uh, Paxton said in that earlier interview, he said, we've looked at that particular issue and we don't think it's necessarily a winner for us. What we try to do is focus on ways that we think we can win. So far, no one in my office has come up with a way that particular idea could win, Paxton said last October. However, Paxton said he's actively looking for a case that would force relitigation of the 2012 Supreme Court decision against Arizona. He said the Texas legislature approving a measure similar to what Arizona passed 12 years ago might work. In 2010, the Arizona legislature approved Senate Bill 1070 in an attempt to secure its own border after it said the federal government was failing in its duty. It included a section that made it illegal to transport, conceal, or harbor an illegal alien. That sounds totally sound to me, ladies and gentlemen. Or I should say that sounds totally, uh, totally fine. I mean, I'm, I, I say why not, right? I mean, if the uh, federal government is failing to do its duty, why can't a state not create a section of law that says that they can trans that they can make it illegal to transport, conceal, or harbor an illegal alien? I mean, that would be part of defending your border, at least in my purview. Uh, the article continues, the legislation ignited a court battle, and in 2012, the Supreme Court ultimately gutted most of it in a 5-4 to four decision that concluded Arizona could not create state immigration offenses and expand local law enforcement authority over immigration law, which is ridiculous, okay? So what it sounds like here is Paxton's strategy would to create Texas state law regarding illegal immigration, okay? Because it's a federal issue right now. But when the federal side of the coin is not doing its job, Aside from busing illegal immigrants to Washington, D.C. in a political stunt that is thereby um, abating, right, it's assisting, right, this illegal immigration, um, <clears throat> it would be to create that state law, you know, uh, that would do that. Because clearly the government, federally speaking, is not taking care of its uh its member states as it's supposed to, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's part of our constitution. So that was what the Supreme Court ruled. Now, the article goes on to say, uh, in Arizona versus United States needs to be struck down. Oh, and this is coming from, uh, this is coming from uh, Paxton. He says, Arizona v. United States needs to be struck down. It was a bad decision. It has tremendously devastating consequences. It ties our hands in a very bad way, which is we can't stop these cartels from just running amok with their human trafficking and drug trafficking and crime. Uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis agrees that the Supreme Court decision was wrongly decided. DeSantis told the Epoch Times, I think it should have all been upheld for sure. This current court probably would uphold it. 
Uh, DeSantis went on to say, I think there's a lot of precedent in the areas that's bad, but I also think the court is much different. And I also think that the facts are so much more aggravated now. DeSantis said he'd look to join Texas in any litigation that could work. So the invasion question, ladies and gentlemen, Arizona Attorney General Mark Hibernating Sleeping Bear Brnovich issued an opinion on February 7th saying the state can defend itself from the invasion of the, on the southern border. However, Governor Doug Ducey has not mobilized state police or the National Guard to stop people from illegally entering the state from Mexico. Several Texas counties on July 5th declared an invasion in their counties and urged Texas Governor Rhino Greg Abbott to do the same statewide and trigger his constitutional authority as commander in chief of the state to repel it. OK, see, see, going back to uh, going back to uh, um, chaos souls point, ladies and gentlemen, you bring it back down to the county. You bring it back down to the city. You bring it back down to your own backyard, ladies and gentlemen. And if you have a solid foundation there, very nary can the federal government intervene. But you have to have all of that stuff down and tight. So we have several Texas counties who have declared an invasion in lieu of the federal government and the state of Texas's own government. Abbott, we're talking to you. Um, basically abdicating their duties of protecting its citizens and closing its borders. Ladies and gentlemen, let's finish this article. It says here, Abbott has recently bandied around the word invasion in relation to the border, but has stopped short of officially declaring it as such. The Vice President Kamala Harris, that is uh, Vice President-Select Kamala Harris, who was appointed border czar in March 2021, hit back at Abbott on July 10th. And this is what Kamala had to say. I would suggest that so-called leaders focus on solutions instead of attacks, if they really are concerned about a problem. And that includes on the issues of immigration, passing a pathway for citizenship. So... Um, Let's see here. Oh, 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 this is more Kamala. So that we can have a humane and appropriate approach to this issue, including, of course, what we'll continue to do in terms of prioritizing border security, but understanding we also need to create a pathway. Yeah. Uh, border patrol agents have apprehended more than 1.6 million illegal immigrants so far this year, 2022 with three months remaining, according to Customs and Border Protection data. There is an additional 850,000 illegal immigrants that are known to have evaded the Border Patrol. And of course, let's just be real, ladies and gentlemen, when Kamala Harris gets up on her little podium and starts talking, about a pathway to citizenship. What she's talking is, we need brand new voters in this nation. We need a brand new voter block. So we need millions and millions and millions of illegal immigrants to come across that we can tag and we can uh, register so that even though they don't have the right to vote yet, oh, you can bet that they'll be voting come November, right? That's exactly what Kamala Harris is talking about. They need a brand new voting block, ladies and gentlemen, and they've got them by the millions coming across the border 
uh, over the last couple of years, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, good afternoon, Raven2000. Good to see you working and lurking, hoping not painting. <laughs> Hopefully you're not working too hard, though. Hopefully you're not working too hard. Oklahoma Bob, good afternoon. Oklahoma Bob says the supremacy clause does not remove the police power of states. It only means states cannot have laws in conflict with federal law. Thank you, Oklahoma Bob. I love my audience. You guys know a lot. So, you know, if you take this uh, this uh, supremacy clause, which, again, I'll admit I'm not familiar with, but based on what Oklahoma Bob has said, and I'm pretty sure it's sound, uh, it, it, it seems like this whole um, Arizona v. the United States, ladies and gentlemen, it sounds like those were complementary to federal law and not in conflict. Am I am I saying that correctly, Oklahoma Bob? That's exactly what it seems like. There, the laws that were created were complementary to federal law that exists. Uh, that is just, I don't know, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know about this uh, this whole mess, this whole matter, but. Uh, uh, be assured, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the federal government has uh, failed its duty to protect its uh, southern border, actually the entire nation, right? Because Abbott's shipping them up to D.C., so the entire nation. But uh, let's be real. Like, you know, once they get through the line underneath the highway in El Paso or in Del Rio or wherever you want to say along the border or whatever state you want to pick. OK, let's be real. Let's be real. Uh, once they're they're registered and tagged, they're shipped by train, by bus, by plane all throughout this nation, you know, uh, from coast to coast, ladies and gentlemen, from northern to southern border, they're everywhere, okay? They are everywhere, and um, I mean, they failed the entire nation, ladies and gentlemen. They have failed the entire nation, okay? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. At thecreport.com, you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecreport.com, that's www.thecreport.com, and be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Pilt.net. All right, I uh, got one more story here regarding... Uh, look at this! Look at this photo, guys! I would call this an invasion, okay? I would call this an invasion. This is a photograph from Breitbart when they sent their correspondents down to the border to photograph the invasion coming across the border, okay? And I might add, and there is no type of racial epithet to this statement, but I do not see one Mexican or Latino or Central American or South American in this photo, I would not doubt that these are uh, people from the Dominican Republic, maybe, or maybe one of the Central American nations, or maybe they're from Belize, you know, maybe they're from Belize, maybe they're not from Cameroon, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, like I said, you know, they're not just coming from across the southern border and the central and the southern American countries and, and, and uh, continents, uh, the continent and the, and the countries, uh, they're coming in from all over the world. No joke. And no doubt, 
ladies and gentlemen. Here's another one. Oh, that's not an invasion, right? Well, <laughs> I guess that wall was not as effective as we thought it would be, right? Well, no. Uh, to be fair, it's missing the top part here. Remember, there's supposed to be like a six-foot uh, steel panel right here. But I also noticed that there's ocean behind them, you know? So uh, this is maybe, I don't know where this is at, actually. This might be, uh, if I had to guess, uh, I would say... Um, probably Texas, Texas coast, right? When you get right down around, uh, um, uh, what, what is that? South Padre Island, you know, you know, down where, down where SpaceX is located. Yeah. You'd probably see a border that looks more like this. So, uh, yeah, this is what we got. They're being, they're being brought by rafts and boats and, uh, and, and, uh, all types of ships. Hey, we've seen it happen in other countries as well, guys, you know, uh, but well, there you go. So that's definitely not an invasion, right? Millions and millions coming across uh, the border illegally every day. Uh, so let's talk about these counties, ladies and gentlemen, that have declared um, an invasion, ladies and gentlemen, of their uh, of their <laughs> of their land, of their city, of their of their town, of their county, right? And again, this is being done in lieu of Abbott's constitutional failure. So yeah, I'm going to put this back on Abbott, ladies and gentlemen. Because that border has been open since January 21st, 2021. And uh, it's only during an election season that he's doing something about it or even talking about invasions. Okay, three months ago, guys, three months ago is when Abbott decided to do this political stunt and send peop uh, illegal immigrants up to Washington, D.C. And I'm sure that helped his numbers in the primaries. Uh, I'm sure it did, guys, especially for uh, sleeping Republicans, right, or uh, status quo conservatives who are Texas constituents. You know, they exist, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, they absolutely exist. So let's see what this article has to say. It says, two more Texas counties declare invasion at the southern border. If Texans don't save Texas, no one will, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it says here, two more Texas counties have declared an invasion at the southern border. Parker County and Atascosa County became the seventh and eighth Texas counties on Monday to declare an invasion two weeks after six counties and one city declared an invasion on July 5th. Parker County Commissioner's Court unanimously voted to invoke Article 1, Section 10, and declare Texas and the United States under invasion. Atascosa County Commissioner's Court also expressed their support for declaring an invasion, and Judge Russell Wilson signed a disaster declaration affirming an invasion at the southern border. The court must next vote to approve his declaration, which it is likely to do. They joined Kinney County, Edwards County, Goliad County, Terrell County, Presidio County, and Maverick County, which already declared an invasion. Parker County agrees that Texas is in the midst of an actual invasion per Article 1, Section 10 of the United States Constitution. Wise County conservatives said in a statement calling on the commissioner's court to pass the resolution, which it did. Jeff Davis County's judge had, um, had issued a declaration July 6th, but its county commissioners, commissioners did not vote in favor of it. Uvalde County had expressed interest in declaring an invasion, but has yet to do so. The city's mayor declared an invasion separately. The governor under the Constitution has the right to declare an invasion, Atascosa County Commissioner Stuart Knowlton said. 
He's publicly stated on Fox News that he agrees there's an invasion but has yet to sign a declaration, which would hand him the power to close the border. This is an effort to support those counties. We've had some issues here. We've had high-speed chases and property damage, referring to roughly 75, 75 incidents of foreign nationals in the country illegally committing crimes in the county. Wilson read the disaster declaration he signed, which states in part that, count, that, that the county is facing an imminent threat of disaster for the unprecedented levels of illegal immigration and human trafficking and drug smuggling across the U.S. border from Mexico. And the ongoing crisis constitutes an invasion of Texas and extraordinary measures must be taken to ensure the protection, health and safety of county residents. In response, Kinney County Attorney Brent Smith told the Center Square, the significance of other counties across Texas also declaring an invasion cannot be overstated. It clearly establishes that the border crisis impacts every county in the state and is not limited to those communities near the Rio Grande. The safety and security of every Texan is threatened by the federal government's abandonment of its constitutional duty, Smith said. I encourage every county in the state to acknowledge the crisis is an invasion. If Texans don't save Texas, no one will. Two days after Kinney County and others declared an invasion, Republican Governor Greg Abbott, Rhino, issued an executive order authorizing and empowering the Texas National Guard and the Texas Department of Public Safety to apprehend foreign nationals who illegally cross the Mexican border into Texas and return them to the border. And I would like to uh, point out, ladies and gentlemen, right? This is not being cynical. This is just being honest. Governor Abbott probably could have done that more than a month ago, right? Two days after Kinney County declared an invasion, okay? These counties only started declaring this invasion recently. Let's not forget, it's midterms, it's election season. And uh, Abbott's gotta make sure that he is doing those optical illusions that will push his vote forward. And it did, like, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, well, we won't even talk about the fraud at this point. Let's just talk about the optical illusions. Uh, Abbott could have done this on day one. I mean, January 21st, 2021, if he wanted to. If he wanted to. All of the stories of the crimes and the deaths. I think about all of the illegal, uh, the illegal migrants who have died, ladies and gentlemen. Think about all of the illegal migrants who have died. What was that story that just came out? Was it like 60 or 70 migrants were found dead in a trailer truck? That is disgusting. It's, it's abominable, ladies and gentlemen. Think about the danger these people are going through. Think about the danger that illegitimate Joe has set on these lives by opening that border, okay? And not allowing them to do a proper entry into this nation, okay? It goes both ways. You know, Texas, uh, Texans, they are definitely experiencing this across the border invasion and all of the detriment it's brought to their livelihoods. But so are those who are coming into this nation, okay? So are those who are coming into this nation. And it's absolutely disgusting, ladies and gentlemen, that it has gone on this far and it has gone on this long, you know? So Abbott could have done this a long time ago, but, you know, you know, a year and a half ago, 
even six months ago, the optic optics of making such a move did not serve the purpose of his reelection, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just stating it like it is. You know why? Because we got to clean up Texas, ladies and gentlemen. That's what Lone Star News is all about. Now, it says here, as we finish up this article, and then we got one more story for you guys, and we're going to wrap it up. I'm giving you guys a little bit extra. I know we're in overdrive right now. We're already past our hour, but uh, we'll, we'll, we got one more story, and we'll call it a, a, a adieu, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Uh, but as it says here, uh, Abbott authorized the Texas National Guard and the Texas Department of Public Safety. There's a lot of uh, a lot of blowback coming back from that as well. Uh, it says Abbott cited constitutional provisions in his declaration. While he cited them, he stopped short of declaring an invasion. Uh, Rhino Governor Abbott said, while President Biden refuses to do his job and enforce the immigration laws enacted by Congress, the state of Texas is once again stepping up and taking unprecedented action to protect Americans and secure our southern border. His uh, order states that the Biden administration has abandoned the covenant in Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution that the United States shall protect each state in this union against invasion and thus has forced the state of Texas to build a border wall, deploy state military forces, and enter into agreements as described in Article 1, Section 10 of the United States Constitution to secure the state of Texas and repel the illegal immigration that funds the cartels. In it, Abbott authorized the Texas National Guard and Texas Department of Public Safety to begin returning foreign nationals who entered Texas illegally to the border to stop this criminal enterprise endangering our communities. He also cited... Article 4, Section 7 of the Texas Constitution and Sections 431.111 and 437, I said 431, anyways, uh, 437.002 of the Texas Government Code authorizing him to direct state military to enforce the law. But Center for Renewing American President Russ Vaught and senior fellow Ken Cuccinelli said the order means no significant changes to current policy. This is still catch and release. They said in a joint statement, we acknowledge Governor Abbott's recognition that the facts on the ground along the border comport with the Constitution's understanding of an invasion. We acknowledge that he's doing this for his reelection bid. However, the governor does not appear to formally declare an invasion nor direct the National Guard and Department of Public Safety to remove illegals across the border directly into Mexico. That is critical. Otherwise, this is still catch and release. So basically what it sounds like a summation of what Abbott has done, again for the optics of it, ladies and gentlemen, again for the optics of it, it sounds like Governor Abbott's uh, directed the Texas National Guard and the Texas Department of Public Safety to catch all of the illegals running around and take them back to the processing center at the border where they can get processed to come back into the United States illegally. <laughs> Jeez Louise, ladies and gentlemen. This is so insane when you start really digging into your own backyard, guys. It's a... Uh, it's a hoot, ladies and gentlemen. It is a hoot. All right, guys. We're going to move along to our final stories for today. 
Let's go ahead and pull up that. Oh, there's something you don't want to see on an America First program, ladies and gentlemen. There's something you don't want to see. The Texas Democrat Party donkey, ladies and gentlemen. Real quick. Hey, CDP4JC. How you doing, sir? Uh, Abbott could secede if he wanted to. Indeed, he could. And thank you for that cookie and for the sentiments. <laughs> Much appreciated, sir. Uh, and it was it was great to meet you, by the way, in person. Uh, and uh, Oklahoma Bob, assessment for tax purposes should be illegal. It's a mafia-style tactic. Subpack vet says assessment. Oh, you guys, uh, you got what are you guys talking about here? If the county has declared. I would, oh, wait, wait, there's some more to this conversation. I'm going to, I'm going to eavesdrop on y'all's conversation real quick, ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, sorry, sub pack vet in Oklahoma, Bob. Uh, let's see what you guys got going on here. Uh, sub pack vet says I have pictures of 70 plus illegals bust up here to priest river, Idaho. Dang, all the way up in Idaho. I told you guys are going all over the country. In fact, anyways, that's, that is, I'm not even going to go there. I was going to give you guys some um, non-essential anecdotes about uh, people that I know from Idaho that are here illegally. Anyways, okay, the supremacy clause does not remove. Uh, oh, wait, we read that one from Oklahoma Bob. Okay, so uh, Subpack Vet says he has pictures of 70 plus. Um, oh, I lost my spot. Where'd I go? Where'd I go? Where'd I go? Where did it go? Oh, 70 plus illegals bust up here to Priest River, Idaho. They were lined up to the streets at the U.S. bank to cash their checks that undoubtedly came from, you know, we taxpayers. Um, 2000 population in my town, 80 miles away from the Canadian border. An ultra red town is still getting touched by the southern borders invasion very, very, very crazy. Idaho is beautiful, but I am more comfortable being 1,800 miles from Seattle. <laughs> Oklahoma, Bob. You funny, sir. You are absolutely funny. Uh, those counties should be able to pull up militia then. Actually, Subpack Vet, I did come across an article, headline read, militias being called to the border. Didn't pull that one for this episode, but maybe we can get that in line for a future episode of Lone Star News. Very, very crazy, guys. Very crazy. All right. Hey, Relanon, what's going on? Thanks for the 117 gold pills. Much appreciated. Kiss, thank you for dropping those links again. Absolutely appreciate your support in the show. All right, guys. Last story for today. Let's talk about the Texas Democrats. Texas Democrats have no party platform for 2023. What's going on, Texas Democrats? Now, this should absolutely give you an idea, ladies and gentlemen, of the morale of that particular party, at least in the state of Texas. Wait till you hear this. Now, I would, uh, I would, uh, I would ask you all to take a moment to reflect on the Texas GOP convention that happened at the uh, beginning of the month. Okay. Take a moment to reflect. Picture this. Houston, Texas GOP convention, July, 2022. 5,000 plus Texas delegates for the GOP, for the Republican Party, right? And uh, mind you guys, for those who are new to the show, we don't play party politics here at Mr. CTV Broadcasting, okay? We don't play party politics, you know? It just so happens that the values um, align more with that party at the moment. But you notice I'm calling out the rhinos, Republicans and names only. We got to clean it up on both sides of the aisle, guys. Um, but anyhow, not to, not to go off into that, uh, <laughs> into that soapbox, but um, 5,000 plus 
Republican delegates show up to their convention in Houston, Texas at the beginning of the month, right? 5,000 plus delegates. And we came out of that with a strong party platform for 2023. And the Texas Democrats leave their, um, their party convention with no platform. Think about that for a minute as we get into this story. And thank you for the cookie, Oklahoma Bob. Much appreciated. Here's an article. This is coming from the Texas scorecard. It says, low enthusiasm, Texas Democrats leave convention without passing a platform. Apparently, not enough Democrat delegates stuck around to approve a party platform. Okay, now as we get into this article, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to think about something else that happened in the state of Texas at the beginning of the year. Okay, when uh, Texas GOP, I should say the Texas State House, was um, uh, trying to pass election laws for election integrity measures, right? Easier to vote, harder to cheat. What did the Texas Democrats do? They fled the state house. Some went on vacation, some hid in Washington, D.C., right? They had no quorum in the Texas state house to pass the legislation. Well, it appears that the Democrat Party delegates have followed suit with their party leaders, those whom they supposedly elected, and there was no quorum to pass a platform. Lady, oh, the irony. Can we say uh, something universal is happening here? It could be karma. It could just be the comeuppance, right? There go all their delegates. Leaving after a hard day of a half a convention and uh, voting for their party chair. That's all they did, right? It says here, last week's Texas Democrat convention in Dallas ended without the party adopting a new platform as not enough delegates remained to reach a quorum held biennially, biennially during election years. The convention is an opportunity for Texas Democrats to elect party leadership, gear up for the November election, and craft their party platform, at least. That's what they're supposed to do. Shortly after Chairman Gilberto Inaosa was re-elected to lead the party for another four years on Saturday, attendees began to trickle out of the convention center. When it came time to vote on the party platform, a point of order was called on grounds that there were not enough delegates present to conduct business, which is two-thirds of the body. The point of order was sustained, and just like that, the convention ended without the party adopting a platform. One attendee blamed the lack of attendance on excessive drinking from the evening prior. <coughs> Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. <coughs> Isn't that something? <coughs> Excuse me, it's like if they didn't... If they didn't leave early, they just didn't show up because they were all hungover. It says Republican Party of Texas Chairman Matt Rinaldi took the opportunity to blast the Democrat Party for their fizzled convention effort. It said, he said, Texas Democrats showed this weekend what happens when you take away tens of millions of dollars from California, New York and Washington, D.C., all that remains is a low enthusiasm, fringe party 
uh, of political extremists who cannot even run a meeting, let alone a state. Let me repeat that. Texas Chairman Matt Rinaldi said, Texas Democrats showed this weekend what happens when you take away tens of millions of dollars from California, New York, and D.C. All that remains is a low-enthusiasm fringe party of political extremists who cannot even run a meeting, let alone a state. Rinaldi went on to say, <clears throat> The showing was so dismal that Democrats could not even maintain enough attendance to complete the primary business of a party convention, passing a party platform. I'm willing to bet, ladies and gentlemen, that these Democrats did not even know that's what they were supposed to do. You know why? Because establishment politicians, whether they're Republican or Democrat or lifelong career politicians, prefer low information voters. So you know what? Maybe it's not their fault. Maybe it's not the delegates fault. Maybe the delegates did not know that they still had order of business to perform. And I know I'm giving them the benefit of doubt, guys. I am giving them the benefit of doubt. Anyways, Rinaldi went on to say the Texas Democrat platform will now be written behind closed doors by party bosses. The Republican Party of Texas is proud to be a grassroots-led party with a platform drafted by the more than 5,000 delegates in attendance at our convention, which is still the largest political gathering in the country. Democrat Party Chairman Ilberto Inoosa says a committee will be formed in the coming weeks to make changes to the platform passed by the party in 2020. You know, it, it makes me think maybe the Democrat Party of Texas wanted that so that they could craft a platform behind closed doors because they knew if they said the words out loud at the convention, their delegates wouldn't go for continued critical race theory. The, the delegates wouldn't go for uh, continued uh, um, abuse of children by way of, uh, of inter introduction of, uh, you know, puberty blockers and, and chopping off their genitalia and stuff like that. Maybe they understood that if they said those words out loud, <laughs> it would just doom them, ladies and gentlemen. All right, guys, that's all we got for uh, Lone Star News today. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We went into overtime. It's been a fun time, guys. And, uh, well, we'll be calling it adieu. Make sure you uh, come back at 7.30 p.m. for another episode of The Sea Report which will be, uh, that's our America First nationwide coverage of headlines and news. Uh, we'll see you at that time. But until then, you guys go get yourself a good dinner or a good lunch, maybe a stiff drink or whatever have you, your preference, and uh, we'll see you soon. Take care until then. Oh, this is Mr. C signing out. Ta-ta. Let's talk about Georgia.
Uh, President Trump truthed about this earlier. Ballot images missing, right? Drop boxes with no video. And Disney's like, well, we don't care about that. We're gonna die on this hill. We're gonna be gay and we're gonna rape our children no matter what you say, because we are Disney. Uh, we don't normally run see in the dark uh, during the week. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, what the heck is this bald band talking about? Uh, you know, multiple broadcasts and shows come here on Mr. CTV channel. Uh, so you got your C report Monday through Friday in the evening hours, right? And uh, we do see in the dark, which is a late night weekend talk show kind of, you know, broadcast, right? So guys, watch out! We got a swamp creature coming to the screen. So look out now! Look out now! Woo! <laughs> oh no! It's wretched Gretchen Whitmer. We're sorry, the number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is... Though victory is proof of the skills you possess, defeat is the proof of your grit. A weakling can smile in his days of success, but at trouble's first sign he will quit. So the test of the heart and the test of your pluck isn't skies that are sunny and fair. But how do you stand to the blow that is struck? And how do you battle despair? A fool can seem wise when the pathway is clear. And it's easy to see the way out. But the test of a man's judgment is something to fear. And what does he do when in doubt? And the proof of his faith is the courage he shows when sorrows lie deep in his breast. It's the way that he suffers the griefs that he knows that bring out his worst or his best. The test of a man is how much he will bear for a cause which he knows to be right. How long will he stand in the depths of despair? How much will he suffer and fight? There are many who serve when the victory's near and few are the hurts to be borne. But it calls for a leader of courage to cheer the men in a battle forlorn. It's the way you hold out against odds that are great that proves what your courage is worth. It's the way that you stand to the bruises of fate that shows up your stature and girth. And victory's nothing but proof of your skill, veneered with a glory that's thin, unless it is proof of unfaltering will, and unless you have suffered to win.